I wish you guys nothing but best. The ceiling is the roof. Let's make it happen. Let's keep moving forward. So what's the over-under on Luca Conference Rookie rookie of the Months? How many do we do? Six? Five? They combine October and November. Right. January, February, March. So we got two in the books already. I January, don't know if there's February, an April March. or not. It's got to be five months, right? Because there's only well, nine there's days in April. So January, February, March. Yeah, so five. Yeah, so and has got two. Three more. <laughs> um, I'm setting the over-under at 4.5. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Because I just, I mean, who else in the West? I mean, eight, if Aiton had the best month he could possibly have, right? Yeah, he had a great month. I don't think he can do better numbers than that. So if he's not going to win it that month, and if Jaron Jackson is still only going to get like 25 minutes a game. Trey has to go off. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the Eastern Conference, right? Has anybody ever swept the, uh, the that's rookie a of the month? great question. I don't know. Because I usually, I mean... And has anybody gotten unanimous? Good question. I don't. I don't know the answers to that. But I usually, usually rookies aren't as exciting as this rookie class. There's like one or two where you're like, "Holy crap!" But then it's like Michael Carter Williams and yeah. Last year, you know, it's kind of like Tatum and yeah, you know, Mitchell, Mitchell. Came on those later. were kind of the yeah. But like Malcolm Brogdon, nothing against those guys. They're fine players. Definitely have a starting role somewhere in the league. But it's like. Yeah, whatever. I don't pay attention to Rookie of the Month. And we also haven't had a rookie that's just, like, sewn it up by the 10th day of every month. He won't get unanimous anyway just because somebody's going right. to make a statement about Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. But I I would put the over-under at uh, four, four and a half right now. He's getting four of them. I'm just trying to talk myself into does he sweep every single month. And I would, I'd take that bet if you gave me some odds. If there was some, there was some number I could put, put some money down on. Well, I mean, I'd be interested in that. So LeBron did not make the All Star team his rookie year. He did not, which was really weird. But uh, it is what it is. Um, but again, that was, from what I recall, it was pretty much. And I don't know, frankly, I can't even remember if rookie, like high profile rookies, have made it since. Uh, Blake um, Griffin. Okay, but he was, was a, technically that was his second year, but yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, it, it was at that time really unprecedented, and I think now somewhat unprecedented. So I I don't think Luca would be selected, especially with the Mavs not even in the top eight. Mm-hmm. But uh, if he got voted in, you know, I don't think anybody's going to complain. Let me put it that way. Right. I've been, like, pulling a bunch of different audio from, you know, just random talking heads to use for a, a Luca longer form. Hey, vote for this guy for all-star piece. And it's funny because some people will be like, well, they're not in the playoff picture. And then other people will be like, well, they're better than we thought they were. So I'm like, which side of the, the sword are we trying to use here? Are we trying to use the we're not a playoff team so you can't be an all-star argument? Or are we trying to use the, well, the Mavs are probably five wins better than I anticipated, so – He's definitely an all-star. And I've seen it argued both ways, depending on what show you're watching, what, what generic talking head you're listening to. So I hear that, but I'm also like, eh, 
You know what? They're a little bit – they've played better. I mean, what was it? I guess it was November uh, was the badass month. That was awesome. Like, that was a better team than I anticipated watching this qu- this early in the season. Yeah, and people have to remember they changed their entire pace of play, style of play, yeah. where they shoot from, where they defend from. What, On a dime. You know, players were playing, you know, Harrison, Dennis – uh, we're playing totally different positions or asked to play different, you know, versions of their position than they played. Mm-hmm. DeAndre was new. You know, Wes was essentially playing the four now. So they they had an adjustment period. Yeah. Yeah. That's why the beginning. I mean, you know, Rick's going to figure it out and you know, the guys around him like Jamal's going to figure out the, the defense eventually. Like it might look bad for like one moment. There might be this like breaking point where something doesn't work right and it's just compromised but he's gonna fix it pretty quick right and that's what was happening with the defense like they were they think they designed a defense to where they thought DeAndre was gonna get five blocks a game or something like that and then it didn't happen and now it's like okay well well, how how do we use what he's doing exactly and they kind of stabilized and now it's smoother and now it's just knowing what you have because those guys hadn't really well they didn't play together in preseason because no, Barnes was out. Hurt. Yeah, and then Luca's brand new, and then DeAndre's brand new. As much as we think we can write down ten things about DeAndre Jordan that we know, you don't know until he's there and he's playing, you know, 33 minutes a night. So it kind of makes sense. If you have a collection of talent, which everyone looks at and goes, yeah, they're pretty good. You know, they're not going to be – they're not a, a bottom ten team in the, in the NBA necessarily. And then you have a good coach – if you give it a little bit of time, he's going to figure something out. Well, I think Rick's the best coach in the NBA, you know, and you can put Pop above him if you want. I don't that's fine. Um, but, I, you know, I think that's – and I don't even think that's a biased opinion. I mean, he's he's a stud. Yeah. And he's really smart and he knows what he's doing. And, and uh, so, yeah, you're right. He's going to figure it out. And I think that they won 24 games last year. Let's, let's give them five on the – tanking they right. would have won 29 or something yeah i had him at you know a, a generous optimistic 39 to 40 mm-hmm. you know a 10 game upswing of what they would have done and they not just completely tanked um yeah i think at 41 or f- i think i settled on 41 whenever it was actual sports gun to the head yeah. prediction time which is fit you know they're a 500 and they're generally playing around that level mm-hmm. but i think you and i would admit that's an that was an optimistic project. oh for sure that was the high end yeah if things go well that was all the things that i wanted to happen right happening vegas had them at 34 so and yeah we're probably playing five to six games above the paper yeah um and you know that's due to Harrison fitting into his role mm-hmm. and Luca playing off the charts and, you know, the second team playing well. And all that being said, you know, I think the key from the Charlotte game the other night was, you know, those are two teams with the exact same record, 18 and 19. Right. And you see the difference between a Western Conference 18 and 19 oh, and no Eastern doubt. Conference 18 and 19. No doubt. I, I think about that every time we play a East team. And Boston earlier in the year. Uh, and we get them again tonight, obviously, without Kyrie, so it'll be kind of hard to judge. But, yeah, watching Charlotte and going, okay, that's an Eastern Conference playoff team. Right. We're on par with them record-wise. We would be an Eastern Conference playoff team. With a better record. Yes, yeah. exactly. Do you know why LeBron didn't make 
the All-Star his rookie rookie season? Why? Because back then they made each team take two centers, right? Right, right. So Ben Wallace got the start. That's fine. Um, the the All-Star that kept LeBron James out of the Eastern Conference roster his rookie season, which is the best rookie season that we'll ever see. I mean, L- Luka's numbers are getting close to that at this point, but uh, Jamal McGlure. Oh, wow. Second unit Toronto? center. No, New Orleans Hornets, okay. who had two uh, two all-stars somehow, uh, Baron Davis and Jamal McGlure, who and the Hornets were in the East somehow back then. Um, yeah. things, it was a weird time. The East all-star team is, uh, okay, Iverson, Tracy McGrady, Vince Carter. That's Orlando Tracy McGrady. Uh, Vince Carter, Jermaine O'Neal, Ben Wallace. The bench is Baron Davis, Jay Kidd, Paul Pierce, Michael Red, Ron Artest, Kenyon Martin, and Jamal McGlure. Yeah, that's the that would be the poster child of why they don't do the center yeah. thing anymore. That's why we ended that. That's exactly why we ended that. And Brad Miller made it for the West. <laughs> that is awesome. Brad Miller. Yeah, and that had to be the last year of the Sonics, I think, because uh, Ray Allen's in here as a supersonic. Yeah, it was uh, Kings, Brad Miller, and Peja. God, that must have been a good Kings team. Um, anyway, yeah. So uh, this is the ceiling is the roof. I'm wow. Mike Marshall. That is that's what people listen for this for. They listen for nonsense, so just tangents. I'm Mike Marshall. That is Brian Damaris, who uh, if you're looking for um, Citizen Zero in the analytics department of the Dallas Mavericks, I think, it's you, it's I my think, fault. I think you're it. <laughs> I think you're it. Let's Actually, start. in the NBA, if you want to be technical. Really? We were the first team to do it in the NBA. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah, remind the people what you did whenever you worked for the organization if they haven't heard you on uh, on anything in a, in a month or two, or or if they're uh, if they're just new to the Brian Damaris world, I remember sitting on the plane and Mark handing me Moneyball and going, "This is your new Bible." <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, we had just started, and so I worked. Yeah, I worked for Donnie, um, basically running uh, the analytics group. We, I was the analytics group, and we we were, I worked with Wayne Winston out of Indiana, who uh, had some proprietary. Uh, plus minus data. Oh wow, you're like cutting edge with that plus minus. But he actually did have a really um, unique, you know, way to split it up where we could we could isolate players versus other players who either were or were not on the court. So you, it wasn't just like five man or one man. It was you know one man with these two and not these two and with these. You know, it, it was it was pretty good, frankly, for for 2002. Right. Um, so I did that. I also uh, ran Global Games, which was our under basically the junior Olympic teams for teams around the world mm-hmm. that would come and play, which was a, a veiled way to to see a lot yeah, of international players. Yeah, going, yeah. Um, I feel you. Which uh, Chris Bosch came through here. Darko hey. came through here. Um, and uh, J.J. Berea. That's how we discovered J.J. Wow. He was playing for the, the, the Puerto Rican junior national team. That's pretty cool, man. Uh, and so we, we, our eyes shone bright, and we we put on our best poker face to make sure he stayed undrafted and mm-hmm. uh, and snagged him. So uh, I did that for a while. A lot of, uh, and then I was in the room a lot, uh, basically all summer, with Donnie making uh, trade calls, and I would have a, a rudimentary uh, cap 
calculator that I had <laughs> developed on Abacus my computer. side to side. And so this he many would, millions. He'd be on the call with the GM, and I would uh, I would write on the whiteboard how much you know we need to throw in uh, wow. another four hundred thousand. We need to do a sign and trade, and we'd have you know so the, the NBA sends out. Uh, an official cap sheet every month of every yeah. team to every to each team. You, you know, you get all thirty teams, uh-huh. and so, so you know how to get below the luxury tax. <laughs> so you, you see your <laughs> as an owner, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> so you see your your roster, and you know your six year out uh-huh. player option, team option, but it also has your list of assets. So if a guy uh, is out of the league but hasn't turned in his retirement papers, mm-hmm. you still for I, don't, I can't remember the number of years it was back then. You still own his rights. And you could put him in a sign-in trade to make numbers work. So if you remember the Jason Kidd trade. Keith Van Horn. Keith Van Horn. Yeah. We needed 4.1 extra million dollars. It's because Devin George didn't – he had a no trade. Yeah, we had the, he, he, had the, he had the one-year veteran no trade. Oh, my gosh. If you sign a one-year with somebody – there's some other technical quirk to it, but if it doesn't have an option or something like that. Dude, some of the rules that we've burned through, yeah. depending on who's the head of the Players Association, are just insane. Yeah, well, Chris Paul's yeah. a shining example of that with the over 36 rule. Right. Con- getting rid of that for yeah. his big contract. I'm, I'm going to be 36 soon. We should right. probably just get rid of this thing. So uh, that was the big veteran takeover. Like, why are we making all these concessions for the young players? Yeah. But anyway um, – we we need an extra four million dollars because George didn't want to be in the deal and they what whoever was thrown in. So Van Horn, who hadn't played several years at that point, <laughs> like yeah, I'll show up. I don't know. And I remember they were like they couldn't even find him. God. And he was in Colorado or Utah, U- Utah or something, and basically said, "Hey Keith, you know," and he was a little different cat. Yeah. Like, you know, so it wasn't like a slam dunk. Like he could have just been like, "Don't bother me." He played for us, right? He wasn't just on the roster. No, no, he played. He got the, minutes. Uh, he, yeah, he, he and Ray key threes in the San Antonio series in '06. That's right. In Game seven. Yeah. yeah wow. He, he was great. Washed over his entire. His existence. nickname was Late Lunch because <laughs> he uh, was he was at dinner with the guys one time and he didn't eat and they're like, "Why?" Because I had a late lunch and that just became his nickname. He just didn't want to hang out with the dudes because he's always eating late lunch. I don't know. Was, I thought it was an awesome name. So anyway, <laughs> he, uh, they called him and got a hold of him and said, you know, will you sign a contract for $4 million? Yes. And, of course, the, the public version for the NBA was, well, he's going to fly to New Jersey, right. take a physical, take a physical yeah. and then he's going to get cut. Because yeah. the NBA knew the drill, but they didn't want it so obvious right. that it was a play. Well, he never flew to New Jersey. Wow. He just – faxed a piece of paper and received a check for $4.1 million. Hiked the two-day hike up to a Kinko's yeah. and faxed it right. wherever he was in, in Utah. So those are all the little – so that's basically uh, – I did that for Donnie. And if you heard the post-game show on the ticket Sunday, I had Donnie and Cuban on. Yeah. Because uh, awesome. I was flying solo. So yeah. I, had to, I had to call in some help. Help me. Help talking me. to yourself for an hour is not oh, that exciting. Miserable, man. If you're ever like that, you can text me. I'll get somebody else to go shoot locker room. I'll come yeah. help you out. But, well, uh, I, I have if, if I'm if I'm if you get down that far in your list, if you can get past Cuban and he's like busy, and you're like Donnie busy, T- Tony Ronzoni busy, right. and you get down to like your tenth spot on your list, I'll I'll, I'll show up. I'll help. Well, you plus out. it was a follow up call in night because he it was a getaway game. Yes, so it was. that was why I did it. Otherwise, it's fine. But yeah. Um, but I wanted Cuban, but of course, and he's on vacation, so I, uh-huh. I, I've done that before where he's called in. Yeah. But he only would do it after a win. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had that in my back pocket, yeah. but I wasn't sure they were going to win. Uh-huh. So I was like, 
all right, I'll book Donnie there just you go. in case. Well, uh-huh. then I got both. Both of them on the phone or both? Well, I had Donnie, Donnie first. Person. Then oh, Falwell okay. did his call in, but I told him, I said, yeah, I'm going to let you go yeah. if I get another call, <laughs> which I did. You're so. going to get dumped, yeah. So, uh, my, but my chips are used up, so next time you're going to be on. There you go. All right, I'm ready for it. I'm warming up. So the ceiling is the speak. roof. I guess I haven't done this one. No, you haven't done this one, I don't think. Or you might have done it. No, you did the four-pointer last time. That right. was another uh, Jake probably working 70 hours a week uh, of course. Type, type thing. But, uh, yeah, so we start, <laughs> quote-unquote, start every podcast the same way, which is asking the guest, what does the phrase, the ceiling is the roof, mean to you? If if uh, if Wagner were to storm into a meeting room and he just looks at you and he goes, you know, Brian, the ceiling is the roof. What does well, that What does that make you think? I know where it where it came from. Which that's is, important. Which is MJ. Yes, I think he was at a, a football game in in North Carolina. Was it a was it a was it a Panthers game or something? And he was at a. North UNC University of North Carolina okay. pep rally. Oh, okay. For the football team, Larry Fedora's there. Um, I don't know if uh, Roy Williams was there or not. I haven't watched all 30 minutes of the video. I've watched the 10 that MJ's involved in, but uh, Larry Fedora, then UNC coach, now Mac Brown, uh, is in there just like flexing real hard. And they they call down Jordan to talk about the state of UNC. Uh, athletics and how everything's going so great. We just won, you know, however many games with the football team. We got Mitchell Trubisky, and we're just all going to live forever. And Jordan comes storming into the pep rally in the basketball arena, which is really weird, Um, which I guess we did that too in high school, but that was high school. Okay, so that's the part I don't – so I heard that he says the ceiling is the roof, and then it was like, ha, 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 but – I guess the justification was, well, it was in the stadium, so there is no roof. Therefore, the idea is that the ceiling, you have unlimited potential, right? That was supposed to be the justification for what right. he said. He's, he's trying to say, what he's trying to tell people is that there's no cap on us. We can go right. to because the moon. Because there's no yeah. roof on the stadium, yeah. then the ceiling is unlimited. But there was. They were in the basketball arena. So then I don't understand. <laughs> okay, I didn't know good. that part. Good. I just wanted you to admit you didn't. You have no idea what drunk off Hennessy Michael Jordan is trying well, to say. Well, that's the other point that I get is that he's a little, he's a little different. Yeah. Like yeah, when yeah. you're that laser focused at something, um, it carves off your other yeah. social skills. And right. It just it, it does. You're just naturally not yeah. doing other things, right? Like writing a check or just you know stuff that you never had to do. Yeah, you can't dress yourself and like so, like Peyton Manning, right? Yeah, and his so mom like, put out his clothes until he's like twenty, right? And so, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, like his Hall of Fame speech, right? And mm-hmm. you're just like, dude, you're the goat. Like, yeah, you don't no need to punch yeah. down. Nobody's nobody's denying that. So that obviously shows that he's got you know demons that he's constantly oh, yeah. fighting in his head. Yeah, that's how he stays Michael Jordan, is right. thinking that everybody is, is doubting me. Him. Right. Or doesn't think I have it. You know, that's how he stays MJ. But it also makes him wear jeans that are like, you know, look like clown pants. Right. And wear goofy looking because suits. Because no one's going to go up to him and say no. Yeah, he doesn't have a no man in his life. Right. They're all, they're all yes men. So, what I think 
the ceiling is the roof. What he was trying to say is there's unlimited potential for us. There's no cap. UNC sports can go right. to the moon if we want to because I'm a donor, obviously. You, you, you wear all my Jordan stuff. The football team's going well. Baseball was probably in the tournament at that time. Uh, but what I think the ceiling is the roof means, we've, we, found, we found a definition that kind of fits, which is your potential is whatever you let peop- other people make it. Like you can only go as high as everyone says you can go if you think that way. And that's kind of the loose. Right, no one's going to believe in you. If, uh, if you, you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't doesn't matter if people say you can only be, you know, a role player. Like you can go higher than whatever whatever you you got to believe in yourself first. So that's the weird uh uh definition we've we've set. On this well, podcast. you know, what's interesting to, to turn it to the maps page <laughs> is that, you know, we talked about, and I don't know if this part's on the podcast or not, because we do our, our banter early, mm-hmm. but, you know, what I... I keep everything. What I did do <laughs> with Donnie, you know, I loved sitting in the room with him in the summer. I mean, we yeah. would sit there from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. every day and yeah. just call GMs. I mean, it was <laughs> there's a book that they give you every year that has every office cell number of, of every executive right. and... and Literally, we just flip. Oh, I haven't talked to John Hammond in a while. Ring, 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 right? And you is just—is that the blue book? Exactly. Yeah. And I talked to Donnie about this on 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 the ticket the other night. Mm-hmm. You know, now it's some texting, but it, you know, people think, oh, oh, oh my gosh, it's you know, the deadline's the seventh. I guess calls are starting to be made. No, you make calls yeah. all the time. Yeah. And a lot of them are just maintenance. It's like, hey, right. how the kids? Hey, what's going on? Mm-hmm. What are you guys doing? Oh, I saw this story or whatever, and mm-hmm. and you're just relationship building. Yes. And it's trust. When you're and it's thinking through everything before it happens. That's that's one of the key things that I take from that. Like people hear, I've heard you say that before that. He'll call people every day. He's calling yeah. five different GMs just to see how they're feeling about their teams. Right. Just so, just to put a thermometer on, you right. know, whatever team, Milwaukee. Okay, how are you feeling right now? And it's, it seems like it's just like, okay, that's, that's common practice. A lot of, not everybody does that, number no. one. And then number two, what it does, the advantage it gives Donnie and the organization is when a trade comes up, when a guy becomes a free agent, when it's time to acquire talent, he's already thought it through. He knows what it would take to get that. He's, he's already on the other side of it. Like, it's already, if it's, he's already thought through, okay, well, they're not loving this guy, but once he becomes a free agent, maybe we should give him a shot because he's got some talent. His issues wouldn't be issues here, that type of stuff. So it seems like he's just, like, being a gossip, like, just calling people and, you know, just going, oh, what's going on with you? But it's not even that to me. It's like, okay, well. Everything has a reason. Yes, there's a purpose behind it. And, and. You know, when you see a deal, Trevor Ariza just mm-hmm. got traded. I guarantee you Donnie was trying to get in the middle of it, right? He was calling Phoenix. <laughs> he was calling Washington going, you know, yeah. it, you need a third team. What can, you know, let's yeah. just let's, yeah. let's talk about some stuff. And they're like, you know what, well, we're set. We're Fine, great, okay. Right. But I guarantee you whenever you see a deal, just know that Donnie got on the phone and yeah. a call is made and – and that doesn't mean, oh, he's unhappy with everybody. No. You're just always looking for, yes. can I get a second out of this somehow? Right. Can I, you know, and, and the, all that little things, those things add up. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you know, when he says we're always being opportunists, they are. They're just, you know, this team only has two ways to build now, draft and free agency. You know, excuse me, free agency and the trade deadline. Draft yeah. is kind of off the board right, right now, especially for this year. And probably going forward, if the caliber of picks hopefully is not as good. Right. So this is a big thing. And what I was getting at is that, you know, I, 
to make the ceiling as a roof analogy, you know, this is such an exciting time. We've been through kind of two years of the wilderness and Mm -hmm. after the 42 and 40 year of 16, like we've got to tear this thing down and and decide, okay, we're team tank and we're going to get some picks. And now you got a guy that you're like, wow, we got a stud and and not just a really good pick. Like we got a stud. Yeah. Um, Okay. This is an exciting time now to be in that room. And this is what I really enjoyed was the, creative like all right how yeah. you know, what is the team what can we yeah. do what are we putting together to 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 put this brew together so that in a, you know in in whatever many years we do we want a title i'm like wow yeah. i was a part of that and those decisions yeah. in that room and you know january 2019 helped put you know that to me was so thrilling and and so that's why it's really exciting to be a mass fan right now because you're like all right wow we've got an anchor which is such a hard thing to get, but we got it. And that was a lot of what I did talk about Donnie was like, you know, people don't understand. They're okay, Donnie's the best international eye out there. We've got, in my opinion, the best international scouts out there that are, we've had for a long time. And these guys are on the road talking to coaches. You know, who are you, who are you looking at? What do you guys got? Who's coming down, down the road? You know, I mean, when Donnie's, you know, if you see him in an arena, he's he's got some international dignitary in town that he's schmoozing with so that that guy will be a friend when he goes and visits in Poland and some, you know, some guy comes out of, you know, th- these things are sometimes five, ten-year payoffs, but you never know. Mm-hmm. And and those all, those all make a difference. And so, yeah. you know, or you have agents calling going, hey, you know, I have another guy down here who would, Sure, love to play in China this year for you know fifty grand. Can you do me a solid? And so you go and call that contact who just came and visited you, get him a job. Now that agent's happy with you, and you never know what that means, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, these are all things that are constantly going on that people don't see underneath the surface that you know go into it, and that you know whatever mix of that helped you pull off Luca, especially yeah. at three when. There were doubts about it, right? And, and, and people said, oh, there's a ceiling and whatever. And you have to have somebody who believes in the international game and knows how international players are developed, well-rounded. You know, one of the things Donnie said in that interview was, you know, we talked about Cuban's comments about international play versus U.S. and AAU. And he's like, you know, in the U.S., they really pigeonhole you. You know, you, you're a, a four or a wing or a big, and, and, and you just learn that skill. In Europe, you learn everything. If you're a big man, you still learn to shoot. If you're a small guy, you still learn to play post and whatever. Mm-hmm. And so you see these well-rounded games because you never know if you're going <laughs> to have a growth spurt or develop or be more skilled in this or that. And so Donnie saw that, and he saw a well-rounded skill set from Luca that is still raw, and he recognized that, no, there's no ceiling on this. You know, his ceiling is the roof. Hey, <laughs> look at how I tie that in. <laughs> and so now you have that anchor – and, you know, part of what Cuban told me on uh, the other night is now you're building profiles of what are the optimal players to play around him. Mm-hmm. You know, what is the best two, the best three, the four? And then going to the players that are in those and going, all right, we need to look at your skill set, look at our profile, and then see what we can to help build up to what we need that player to be. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a simple but effective approach that I feel like uh, – some people are born with like charm and just knowing to get in front of people and smile at them and shake their hand and look them in the eye. 
that's kind of not the way. Now it's uh, is my generation is online, and you know that's how life life happens now at a more rapid pace. But Tony Ronzoni talked about that whenever he first saw Luca. Whenever we interviewed him early in the preseason, he said, "You know, I saw this kid in a tournament. He was the best player in the tournament. It's not, you know, I can't go sign the kid or draft the kid right now, but I need to get to know him. I need to know his coach. I need to know who his agent's going to be. I need to know the family." I need him to recognize my face whenever I say hi or answer my phone call whenever I call him. And that's a big part of it. Just getting in front of people, being genuine, being nice, shaking a hand. And you know what? You know me. You can trust me. I've been here since you were 14 at that tournament. You know, we met five years ago. And Luca said the same thing on draft night, just watching some of it. Now I'm cutting this thing up, uh, editing this, this piece about it. He's like, yeah, I've been talking to the Mavericks a lot. They were so nice to me. You know, they were, and, they were and, different. And Donnie has a trust factor, right? If you remember in 1998, so Dirk comes out in the Hoop Summit. Mm-hmm. He made his big splash. Well, and Dirk said this publicly many times. He's like, he, he didn't believe in himself totally. Right. Wasn't really ready mm-hmm. him personally to come over. Um, and Donnie and Nellie flew to Würzburg, but, you know, right after the draft. And we're like, listen, we believe in you. Yeah. Here's our plan. We're not going to let you fail. Let's meet the parents. Yeah. Let's go to dinner with the family. Mm-hmm. You know, y- y- hey, parents, you know, and, 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 you know, his parents were just here. Uh, Cato had a nice little article about, you know, possibly his mom's last game seeing him play live. I mean, th- this is a, you know, old school, we, we've babied our boy, mm-hmm. and now we're going to release him. This is not Luca leaving the home at 13. This is right. – oh, my gosh, he's never left the house, and now we're going to give him to these two strangers. Do I trust you to take care of him? Yep. And, and they sold that, mm-hmm. and they did take care of him. Yep. And so now it's, you know, we've got a okay, we've done that. But, again, it's the same thing. That happened 20 years ago, that same relationship building. If it was just, oh, yeah, we drafted you and come, o- you know, come into our machine, mm-hmm. he never would have been allowed to come over. Yeah, and that's why Donnie, I was watching the – First time Luca came to the, the practice facility or the arena or whatever, I think it was the, the AAC, and Donnie's like, they're taking a picture of it's, it's Luca and Donnie, and Donnie's like, Bill, get over here. He's like, get in here. He's like, you're, Nothing, a, you're, yeah. Yeah. He's like, you're a biggest part of this as yeah, anybody. 100%. If you notice that press conference, uh, it was Bill Duffy and Leon Roser over there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people talk about, oh, Bill Duffy, that was Nash's agent, and, and there's, oh, gosh, we're gonna, are you kidding me? Donnie's done more deals with Bill Duffy. Yeah. They have a, a solid relationship. Mm-hmm. Duffy knows that Luca likes Dallas. You know, they, they're going to do what's best for their client. And Leon Rose has been there forever. He was LeBron's first agent. Like, the, you know, the, the, the just history and trust there. And Donnie's smart. He knows to give those shout-outs. Yeah. And to and, and, and to make him feel special every once in a while. And he knows that. They're not going to screw him, and he's not going to. They're not, you know, yeah. vice versa. Yeah. And so you're right. I mean, that's the value that somebody like that brings. When sometimes you see, you know, Kobe Altman being hired as a GM, he doesn't. He doesn't have yeah. the the skins on the wall, the relationships, the the what have you. You know, that where you're at the All Star game, and you know, you're you're out there in the lobby shaking hands and kissing babies and mm-hmm. and talking to the league execs, and you're going to basketball without borders, and you're, I mean, all that matters. And yeah. it, it's it's a twenty four seven three sixty five job, 
but you know that's what makes it exciting and and you know again right now where the Mavs are this is you know I I'm jealous I kind of want to be in there and and, right. and seeing they got they got room for doing. you next next door <laughs> they got a little cubicle I think they're for doing you. all right yeah they're doing all right right now um, I think it was uh, Amin El Hassan who said uh, ownership is the greatest non-competitive advantage in sports so things that don't happen in a competitive on-field setting ownership is the greatest advantage. And then the most important thing that an owner does is who's my GM, you know, who's going to scout this talent, who's going to shake the hands, who's going to make the calls. Yes. Who, who's calling people every day, who's building the relationships. So that's, that's nowhere else in the league or in sports is it more true than here. And you see how it works out. And, uh, and he's on a handshake deal. He does yeah. not have a contract. Yeah, he's exactly. He's been on a handshake deal exactly. since he was hired as president of basketball operations and upgraded in 2002, and that's when I started working for him. Yeah. Um, and he, he loves this, dude. Like, he is. Oh, he loves it. He's obsessed with it. Like, I just interviewing him during the preseason. We sat down, and, you know, he was like, yeah, I got however long you, you need, you know, and he's sitting there, and uh, the whole time he's checking his phone, and he's texting people back, and eventually he's like, I got to get up real quick, and he goes outside, and he makes a couple phone calls and comes back in. But, dude, he's constantly thinking about – how does this team get better? What's the next talent that someone isn't seeing? Um, and if you go into his office, it's it's all whiteboards, right? Yeah, three yeah. walls of whiteboards. One has every team listed, and then every player and yeah. their salary. And yes, it's color coded whether last year or first year, yep. base year compensation, all that's on there. And then you have the draft, next year's draft, mm-hmm. and then you have the free agents yep. on one board. And and I mean, you're constantly looking yeah. at that, and they're having yeah. weekly updates right now at this point. Uh, and they're still drafting one through 60. You never know. Yeah. So you look at everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, it's – there's a lot going on. And then you have, you know, the data that comes in about what you're doing about this team and your analytics that come in and how can we improve, you know, what we're doing and what lineups and what plays and what pace and, mm-hmm. and how we're doing that and what plays work and what don't. Um, you know, so you're constantly doing that while you're still, you know, short-term and long-term at the same time. Yeah. yeah. It's uh – a you brought up some interesting points about USA basketball, number one, that I just want to touch on real real briefly. Whenever we have a kid, and maybe it's because the money's so different here. Um, like AAU coaches, I don't know how much those guys make. 200 grand, 300 grand. They make more money than they've ever made before in their life being an AAU coach, right? So it's a, it's a win now type thing. It's a, okay, if I have a seven-foot kid that can run, you know what, I'm turning him into – um, a Calipari, Calipari player where he just he's a transition guy, he gets blocks. Uh, we're going to out-athlete everyone because I need to win. Because if I do this AAU thing right, you know what, I get hired at North Carolina next year as a well, player. Well, I need this player guy. to be placed in a good school. And, then yes. of course, the shoe people are pushing him over there, and then they give you some money on the side and all that. Yeah, it's yeah. A, they, they, they're they, – exactly. They, they just want the pipeline to keep getting filled. Yes, and it's never about, like, overall development of a player. Um it's and I don't know if it, I don't know what the money is like overseas for you know whatever uh, under eighteen Real Madrid coach was coaching Luca, but getting kids to play every position and figuring out like we don't figure out what kids are good at anymore. We have an idea and we make them do that until they're like twenty and then and they're in the league and they fail a little bit, right? Like Anthony Davis couldn't shoot his first two years because he shot the ball in front of his stinking eyeball, like right here. That's so easy to fix if you take a month to do it. But you can't take a month. 
because he's got to get as good as he can be in transition and blocking shots. And, you know, we got to be good in preseason so our boosters love us. And, you know, it just, it just trickles down. Um, but one of the things you mentioned, too, is we've had cap space before. We've had, you know, summers where we go into it and it's like – and we're projected to have a lot of cap space this summer. That's why I bring this up. Um, and we can dive into, like, some really nitty-gritty team-building stuff and think about what the team might be. Um, you know, if this offseason goes right and the next offseason goes right. It's completely different when you have an anchor. 100%. There's something to build around. There's, there's, a, there's a steel beam in the middle of this house. And you can – and one of the coolest things Luke has done is on a lot of the nights, everyone else in the team can be a role player. And it makes it so much easier. Like, you don't, think of a, you don't think of Barnes as a role player, but he is now. All he has to do is score and be pretty efficient at it. And you don't think of that as a role player because scoring is the ultimate thing that they measure the game by. Dennis the same way. And credit to Dennis because he's molded his game to fit around this guy. And just whatever Rick says, I'm doing now. And Cuban mentioned that very vociferously uh, with me the other night that, you know, he wanted to tamp down the rumors about Dennis and be like, listen, this guy – is doing exactly what we're asking of him. Yeah. And he's, he's adjusted his game, and he's going to continue to develop that. And, you know, let's, let's, just, let's just relax a little bit. Yeah. And it's hard to do that. And he, like I said, he, initially, you know, he's changed his game. Barnes is, is now a hybrid of what he was in Golden State and what he was in his first two years here. But that's an adjustment. Yeah. You know, and so um, – but you're right. I think with that anchor, you now – listen, I, you know, the, did you watch the Rockets game last night? against Golden State. Did you see who the Rockets had on the floor with Harden? Gerald Green, Clark Jr., <laughs> Austin Rivers. House? Was House out there? And House at yeah. one point, right? And even yeah. when House wasn't in there, it was P.J. Tucker and you had Capella in there a little bit. Those aren't good players. Those are, you know, yeah. Green, Rivers are off scrap heap players. Yeah, they're replacement level guys. And they beat the Warriors because yeah. Harden is amazing. Mm -hmm. So when you have that anchor yeah. and he's that anchor – then you can do, you can put other types of people. You can you can play so much better, and you don't have to. It just changes what you can build around it and how you do that. Yeah, so much. And what what a lot of teams and you know, I'm not going to drag Houston into this conversation because I thought what they did this off season was kind of dumb on the whole, trying to save a little bit of money. But the trick that, or the 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 downfall that ends up happening is you have an anchor, you have a guy that takes – you don't have to be a playmaker tonight. I've got every possession I'm on the floor, I need to touch the ball, and I'm going to be the playmaker. I'm going to create good looks. The toughest thing in ba basketball, which is positive shot creation to me, I got that. Don't worry about it. That's me. So it turns everyone else into these, these really defined roles. And what the trap that teams fall into or superstars fall into, like LeBron, is – you don't want role players around you. You want another superstar. Well, what you actually need is a guy that can rebound and protect the paint. Well, I don't want that. I want another superstar next to me. And that's what happens year, year 8, 9, 10 of a, of a superstar's career is they get away from realizing that, okay, if I have four elite role players and me, we can kick anybody's ass. We can beat anybody in the league. But they don't. They want to play with 
You know, I want, I want Lonzo Ball over here. I want this guy over here. I want Kyrie. Um, you know, get rid of Kyrie. I'm tired of Kyrie. Let's bring in, you know, Isaiah. And so they fall into these traps, not realizing that the advantages that I give my team, I'm not utilizing at this point. And so you got everybody trying to score. You got everybody trying to be a uh, shot creation guy, and no one's rebounding. No one's playing defense. And that's what the upside of this team is to me is the, the summer that's upcoming. I don't even need, like, star names. I don't know what they're going to – you know, people can look at the cap sheet. Obvious. Wes is coming off. DeAndre's contract's coming off. Barnes has an option. Dwight Powell has an option. Anybody can look at that and see that. So there's money to be had. I don't even need a superstar-type signing like we've chased before. I need a guy that you are 100% sewn-up certain fits next to Luka in a role and is willing to play a role. And that's all I need. Yeah, I mean, and that's what I think, you know, look at the 11 Mavericks, right? Mm-hmm. You, you had the superstar in Dirk, and then you had the point guard who could had the vision and could distribute the ball and still hit a shot. You had the dead-eye shooter in, in Jet. You had the defender rebounder, mm-hmm. and you had the, the kind of scrap, doesn't need the ball, but does all the dirty work and plays yeah. lockdown D. Gets right? easy buckets. Yeah, moving I mean, that's, that's exactly what you just talked about. Right. You know, and so, um, you know, the cop-out has been, well, we'll just throw the superstars together and, and figure right. it out. And so That works sometimes. I think that's what I mean. And, and Mark talked about this again. You know, they are building those profiles. Now, I think at the beginning of the year, they, they didn't exactly know what they had in Luke. I mean, he's kind right. of exceeded expectations. And so now it's like, whoa, we, you know, we're now yeah. building around this. Oh, the, the model is – shifted so drastically right. in 35 games and so or whatever. They're, they're, they're wondering what exactly those profiles are. And yeah. I think um, – It's hard to define. It, it's, it's pretty difficult to define. And, and what's interesting, another thing, you know, Mark mentioned, I asked him about Bob Vulgaris and what mm-hmm. he's doing. Yeah. Uh, and he talked a lot about, you know, the algorithms he's writing for machine learning. Yeah. And that's really interesting because, you know, I don't know if you ever saw that documentary uh, Go – about uh, the best Go player playing uh, a computer, an AI computer they taught to play Go. Okay. Which is kind of a, the Asian version of chess on steroids, mm-hmm. you know, with the little black and white yeah, yeah. things. Um, and this guy was the best in the world by far, and they played five matches. And uh, it's kind of like Kasparov versus IBM back in the day. Yeah. But this was AI where the, the computer was actually going to – after being taught how to play Go, was then going to machine learn the best way to play Go. Yeah. And there's pretty established ways to play that when you're elite. Well, the machine wiped this guy's butt four out of five times. And in a couple of them, he was playing early on as it's going on crazy moves. Mm-hmm. But the machine's thinking 150 moves ahead. Yeah. So that it's just end rounding to this end goal that mm-hmm. no human would ever think is the right way to play. Right. But totally now has enlightened this whole new way to play go that no one had ever thought of before yeah well that's what the Mavs are doing (laughs) they're literally going to machine learn basketball yeah so that now we think you know basically now stats are pretty even across the board every team's got the analytics we know Mm -hmm. three and restricted we know so it's like where's the next level of development Mm -hmm. well the Mavs are in the lab going we're going to try and figure that out We're, we're literally going to AI our way into What's basketball 2.0 going to be in this era that may seem absolutely crazy 
but we're going to know it and start doing it before anybody else does, which feeds into, well, then what type of player do you need to play that way? Yeah. You know, nobody thought you needed to defend 35 feet until Steph started shooting them. Mm-hmm. Now you need a player that has the, the ability to go do that, yet still come back and help, yet still hit threes. And if he can't hit threes, have another skill set, driving, whatever. And so that's all part of that equation when you're looking at players yeah. that maybe it's the new undervalued, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, instead of their ability to shoot threes from the corner, it is whatever that we've determined it is. Yeah. And nobody's looking at him when they're trying to sign Clay. We're going to get an X right. because he's perfect for that role with Luca and what we think basketball mm-hmm. 2.0 is. So that's what's really cool and exciting. Yeah, that's, that's kind of why – and I know the teams have had this uh, – data for our, at least a couple of years, the second spectrum quantified shot quality stuff. I'm obsessed with that right now. Because you can watch a game, and basically they make a little icon for each player, and they track him, and every time he has the ball, they tell you effective field goal percentage from every foot on right. the court. So it's like dribbling. the Clippers court vision thing. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you dribble, and okay, you, so Luca like left wing would probably be an insane effective field goal percentage because he knocks down so many threes from the left wing. And then once you dribble into the paint, obviously it skyrockets. But some guys will be dribbling around, and you'll see them pull up from an area, and you don't understand why, and then you look down at the number, and you're going, oh, okay. He, he knocks those down, apparently. And the defensive side is super interesting to me as well, like how people affect um, the shots that are being taken against them. I think Maxi is like top 20 in basketball. In terms of yeah, you're guarding people into the shots you want them yes. to take. You're only taking the shots that I want you to take. Right. Um, Maxi was top twenty in basketball last time I looked, which is you know it's it's a it's a number that's not completely pure. It can be skewed because he erases a lot of what should be like ninety percent effective field goal percentage shots, which are layups at the rim. He'll just come out of nowhere and just nope, right. that's gone. So it's not like the purest number, but it fits the eye test better than just about anything. Like I can watch a game and go, you know, I don't feel like his shot selection was very good tonight. Or I feel like Dorian forced him into spots where he was trying to make the guy shoot from here. You know, he would sag off at this right moment um, on this weird mid-range area. And, you know, they've done that for a long time. And we're talking about the finals. Okay, make LeBron shoot from this sure. four-foot box right here. But uh, just getting – a public-facing version of it, which is Second Spectrum, is fascinating to me. And the machine learning stuff that you were talking about. Um, yeah, I don't know how we got there, but... <laughs> I, I went <laughs> off there. on a geek tangent, sorry. <laughs> we're there now. But it's exciting because that's really yeah. where, you know, if you're thinking about what what's next, yeah. you know, are we going to play like this forever? Or mm-hmm. do you just get five, you know, <clears throat> six, eight shooters? Or, yeah. Know, and everybody thinks, okay, that's it or whatever, and the big man's dead. Who knows, right? We're going to... There could be this, you know, system of uh, letting, you know, that we've never thought of that, Mm -hmm. you know, we could be ahead of the curve on. And that's why, you know, you're talking about the owner being a big difference. Like you have an owner willing to to go in that direction. Yeah. Um, So one of the things I've been thinking about a lot is, okay, so it's easy to look at single game box scores and go, okay, (laughs) search basketball reference. 32 points, nine assists, six rebounds in a game as a teenager. Who's done that? Oh, LeBron and Luka. And that's it. 
And so that that's maybe like third degree, right? Like basic fan goes, man, he's putting up numbers like LeBron. And then second degree is, oh, let's check the box score. And third degree is, let's compare him to everybody that's ever done it. Um, and then, by the way, if you look up his uh, his his season numbers and you sort by uh, three point percentage, no one's ever done it. Nobody in the history of basketball as a teenager has put up this this these totals and that. Um, level of three-point shooting. It just doesn't happen. LeBron wasn't. Durant wasn't. Carmelo didn't. Blake Griffin didn't. You know, all the guys in the last, well, in the history of ever. Um, but the echo of that is he's changed the trajectory. Luka Doncic has changed the trajectory of this franchise in a way that no one has seen since LeBron in terms of He's that young, that good, at least seven, eight more years of him here under team control, no matter what you want to do. Um, we can, you know, re-sign you. And the the expectation and trying to put it in context becomes more difficult, like, every week. What did I tell you in training camp? What did I, what, how did I compare him? I said he's a 6'8". He said Harden. He said he's a 6'8", James Harden. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he is. And now everybody's come out. I mean, now he's getting calls. Some Svengali, but that's yeah. what everybody's comparing him to. Yeah. And I think that's what, you know, I saw and people saw. And you're right. And and one thing is not only is he playing at that level, he's making everybody else better. Yeah. So I think that one of the key things to look at is like, look at Harrison, look at Dennis, look at everybody else's numbers, and how they're better when he's on the court. Yeah, because he's finding that guy and that amazing pass or or he's making you have a more open shot mm -hmm. or whatever it is. And that is where I think the free agent draw comes in, too, because yeah. people are going to be like, I'm going to be better with him on the court. Yeah, he's going to make me better because I'm going to get those looks or better shots or the role fits here or and what the, have their you. second best wing defender has to play me now. Right. That type of and stuff. So I think that is, you know, super big. Yeah. in terms of what he can bring. And you're right. I mean, if you look at, you know, Harden, he came off the bench for a couple of years, mm -hmm. right? I mean, Oklahoma City didn't want to pay him five more million dollars over a five-year contract. That's why he went to Houston, <laughs> right? These players, it took him a while. It took Dirk a year and a half, two years. You know, he's coming right out of shoot, and we've talked a lot about why that is at his age. Um, but name me who you want under 25 in this league rather than him. There's a very – there's, like, one, maybe two guys. Right. There's Giannis and AD, and I can't go any further than that. Exactly right. And I don't even know how old they are. They may be – Giannis is 24, AD is 25, okay. I think. But literally, that's the list. Yeah, that's it. Right? I that's mean – That's it. And, so I wouldn't, and I wouldn't trade him straight up for them right now just because I think the fit is quite different. So let me ask you this, and I, I, I talked to uh, – I've talked to some people just, you know, offline on this. It's an interesting kind of – you know, uh, sliding doors thing. But, you know, we've talked ad nauseum about the draft where Giannis was on the board and we didn't take him. Right. If we had taken him, we'd had Giannis and we would have had him for the last however many years and most likely not have won a title, mm -hmm. especially when you're the height of what Golden State's done and all that. But you'd have him for the rest of his career, let's just say. Mm -hmm. um, but you would not have Luka because yep. we would not have been in the position to draft him. With, sure. You would have been playing better. Mm-hmm. Would you rather have Giannis at his age now with no title to this date for the rest, you know, with him, 
for the rest of his career or 14 more years or, or Luca at 19 Luca for 20 more years basically um i think they're i don't think there's a wrong answer i think yeah. they're neck and neck which is I think the an amazing statement because we've yeah. been pulling our hair out over yeah. missing out on Giannis. Yes. And he is amazing, and mm-hmm. you should pull your hair out. But now you're almost like – It hurts more because it's like the 13th pick. I don't know why that hurts more. Because like, I knew Donnie knew. You know what I mean? Well, I asked Donnie, and he, he sidestepped the question. So <laughs> I, I, I said – I basically said, listen, I know – and Mark's publicly said this, that Donnie pulled his 12-pounder out and said – yeah, Giannis is the guy. Yeah, we need to do this. I'm putting my job on yeah. this, and and we still didn't for you know, publicly known reasons of wanting to go save some money for free agency. Didn't do it. Not it wasn't as much didn't like him as much as you know we had other objectives at the time. Uh, you know, yeah, obviously misguided. Building other ways. And I asked him. I said, "Did you pull your 12 pounder out again <laughs> for Luca?" Yeah. And, you know, I know that he did, but I know that it wasn't as hard of a sell job i yeah. think the the uh the sell job was giving up the first yeah right and just knowing that you know I'd, if we had had three obviously everybody yeah go pick him where everybody was on board it was a consensus it was just okay it's going to be a little extra cost to do yeah. this you know you're still good right you're like yeah we're right okay i'd give up another one right now oh of course i'd give would. up 2020s first and that's what i told to. people and you know we we yeah. did a pod on draft night and then yeah. you asked me before i said we're gonna we're gonna do what it takes yeah and you know, and then credit to them for not wavering too, because you can be in the right spot. You can, you know, lose games at the end by playing Dennis Smith Jr. You know, thirty-five minutes and suffer through a pain in the ass season, and then get to the lottery. And all right, boys, we're gonna get top three pick here. We're gonna get a good player. We're gonna get you know Aiton or Jaron Jackson or you know this is gonna work out for us. And then you fall to five. And I was, I mean, there's a recording of it somewhere. I was devastated. You and I were, we did it live. I, was I remember at my house. absolutely <laughs> devastated. I was like. There were F-bombs flying everywhere. Dude, we, we earned the third overall pick, if not higher. We earned it from this season, from yes. this crap we had to live through. These lashes on my back. I've yes. Going through those games. Yes, I've got evidence. And now we're the fifth pick. But those are, you know, it's, it's. That's what I told people, you know, when they were like, wow, we gave up first. Would you rather have Wendell Carter and whoever you have next year or Luca? Right. No, give me Luca. They were just talking about this yesterday. There's only a few of those. The Lakers could have had Paul George. Right. They didn't want to give up the number two pick for him. Would you rather have Alonzo Ball or Paul George? Go the other way, too, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, those are the decisions that make or break a, a GM. Yeah. Yeah, and, and when you have somebody who is that, you know, this is you know you you wouldn't do it for, you know, uh, somebody else maybe that you you want you know Lori Markinen or something. Right. Say Luca goes first in that draft. Say say that uh, Atlanta's. Yeah, we're taking Luca. Sorry. Right. You aren't trading. You aren't trading up to yeah, two. You're not trading you up to do. three. Right. You know, there's that's not this is not happening. There's not another guy in that draft. There's not another dude. One last five years. I mean, I think Porzingis is really special. He's obviously been hurt in the Mavs. Right. Listen, I've seen the documents. I mean, the Mavs liked him years before he was available in the draft, but mm-hmm. 
guess what? He got too good yeah. and got in the lottery when the Mavs didn't have the ability to get in the lottery. Yeah. So they had done all the homework. They knew him. And then if he had just maybe not gotten so good that last year, yeah. that's one of those guys that falls and you get him at, you know, he's kind of a joke itch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he did. And so you're like, oh, yeah. crap. Okay, well, next. And yeah. it just so happens that the Mavericks, you know, were able to get, you know, play their strategy where they were able to 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 do what they needed to do to get Luke at the right time. And listen, it's it's I mean, I I said last year and I, you know, obviously I'm a Dirk Homer that you know, we may never see somebody like that again and we still may not. I mean, it's a generational talent, but to have somebody that's this exciting that we're already saying is one of the top 3 players under 25, you know, 30 games in, um it's kind of amazing that you struck gold again. Yeah, and you won the lottery twice. You're, you're Hollywood Henderson. <laughs> if he's doing this now, you know, again, depending on the style of play, but he could easily be a 30-point a game, you know. If you needed him to, I think he, I think he could. Right. Um, and one of the things I said for not 20 years now, because that would have made me 12 years old, but probably since age 16, 17 is – the most valuable thing watching, okay, besides the stardom and the gravity and all this that, that Dirk brought to you is that you can have a dog crap possession with seven seconds left. And you, the play didn't work. Someone jumped your, your screen, your initial action that was supposed to happen. And, okay, I've, I've done basketball wrong here. I did, I did bad offensive basketball. And then there's a seven-foot guy standing on the elbow. And you can always get him the ball. And he can always get a good look, no matter what has happened the first 17 seconds of a possession. Luka's the same way. He's the release valve. When a possession doesn't work, when whatever happens, when Drew Holiday stymies Dennis and he can't, this play just didn't work, Luka's always out there, ready to catch it, ready to shoot it. And that is a positive look, no matter how much time is on the clock, no matter where he shoots it from. Because every time he shoots it, I believe it's going in. And the step back is, I haven't checked the numbers lately, but it's a positive shot considering the situation that he's taking it in a lot of the time, which is end of shot clock. And getting three points out of a possession that you lost, you lost this possession. It's dead. This is probably going to be a rebound going the other way, create a fast break for the other team. It's two for them. No. Luca creates a step back, knocks down a three. That's a five-point swing in a game. That's how it works. And that's what Dirk's done for 21 years. And it just – there's not very many dudes in basketball that can do that. And two things. One is the good news is he's going to uh, have to – he's going to continue to develop. Yeah. Right? He, I mean, he, the, the skill sets that he's going to continue to add every summer mm-hmm. to his game, I mean, you're already seeing how lethal he is oh, now. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. And secondly, you've now got, you know, what Dirk was in 11 when it's like, all right, I need to win game two of the finals or game mm-hmm. five of the finals. I'm giving the ball to you, and you're just going to go make it happen. You now have that. Yeah. Guaranteed. You, yeah. you have a stud. You got a killer. That, you know, is going to do that, which makes it so much easier when you're, you know, building stuff around it. And I think Mavs fans should be, you know, a little patient. I mean, if this trade deadline goes by quietly, it's okay. Oh, uh, yeah. If this summer That's goes fine. by, you know, you don't want to place bad bets. I mean, look yes. at what Parsons is costing them look at noel and if we'd give him the 70 those things are albatrosses and 
it's really costly for your team. So, yeah. you know, they can't just go throw $80 million at something just because he's available and mm. people are going crazy in the marketplace. You, right. You've got to be smart. And if it means, you know, keeping powder dry or whatever, just, you know, now we have a precious commodity. Let's let's build it the right way and not just, you know, take a flyer on a guy because, mm -hmm. you know, a 35-year-old guy is available and, oh, I'll give him 15. You don't do that. Yeah. Don't don't jump off sides on, on the rebuild, right. on the team building. Like I feel like Philadelphia just did where I, I don't know if that team's – an Eastern Conference Finals team right now. I don't know. They, I feel like they, they shrunk their window. They had 10 years of Embiid, Simmons, and some really good role players, and now I feel like they have, like, okay, how long is Jimmy Butler going to be this good? <laughs> Two? Two right. more years? And Simmons. You know Simmons has never made a three? Yeah. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. Yeah, that's besides his issues. That's just, <laughs> the, that's just the overall talent. Okay, I have this kind of piece. I have this kind of piece. Look how good these role players are that are filling in. You know, if we just wait, if we just wait a little bit, there are going to be some people that are free agents next offseason that might, I would probably rank above Jimmy Butler. And are they the personalities that will fit, right? Yeah. Because you see Butler going in there. Well, now Embiid's not happy. Yeah. They're already bad chemistry. You see the chemistry in Washington. Yeah. You know, people don't want to play with LeBron. So it's they, like they created their biggest issue, which is depth. Yeah, now. you need to have the right types of people that are – willing to let Luca be the guy mm -hmm. and play along with it yeah. and not be jealous of that attention or, or pound the ball and want it themselves because, you know, the 19-year-old's getting the Yeah. So it's exciting, but it's, it's also we just, you know, let's enjoy it. And, you know, um, but this is, you know, you've got, listen, you've got Wes is expiring. If you can get a second out of it, great. But you don't need to just go turn it into a guy with, you know, you know Otto Porter mm -hmm. because you know he was he's available and you got to go spend ninety million dollars in the rest of his deal and he gives you twelve points a game. You know those are kind of the mistakes that can cost you just because you think I got to you know let's mm -hmm. let's hurry up now. It's getting getting good, getting in the way of being great. Right, that's what it is. Let's go. The, let's go the Golden State slow build instead of the the Philly like we're here guys we're here I promise I promise we're one of the best let's let's go let's go are we did, did I ceiling in the roof at the yeah, right yeah way? yeah we did it the right way there's no <laughs> wrong way there's no wrong way to do it but uh all right I know you got a plane to catch you're a busy man but thank you for your time that was awesome man uh let's do this more often yep and uh thanks dude well you know Jake's gonna be uh called <laughs> yeah. Bebe soon so maybe yeah uh, that's true maybe four pointer will need some help yeah absolutely absolutely all right see all right, thanks